Good morning, everybody. My name is Alex Barthet. I am a board-certified construction lawyer, and today uh, for this Sunray seminar, we're going to talk about um, a topic called How Do I Lean for Tenant Improvements? But today's agenda is pretty straightforward. We're going to go over this very specific topic so that when you're done with the presentation, you'll know exactly what rights you have when it comes to uh, putting a lien on tenant improvements. So we'll start with uh, the question, why is leaning for tenant work different than leaning for any other type of work? Uh, we'll answer the next question, what steps do I need to follow to secure my lien rights in the tenant's interest? And then talk about the differences so you understand what steps you need to follow to secure your lien rights in the landlord's ownership interest in the property. Because understand that's what you care about most. You want to be able to sell the whole property and uh, get paid if you need to. Uh, then I'll answer uh, a question that is the normal follow-up, which is what are the other landmines that I need to watch out for if I am doing work on tenant property? So with that, let's get started. So why is leaning for tenant work different than leaning for any other type of work? Um, to understand the answer to this question, you need to understand a little bit about the lien law. Um, and the premise of the lien law is that your lien encumbers the property interest of the person that contracted for the work. So if your lien uh, if you're doing work for a tenant and the tenant is the top of the pyramid, then your lien encumbers the tenant's interest in the property, which is merely the lease. Um, it is not the owner's interest in the property. If the landlord was the party that was contracting for the work, then your lien would attach to the landlord's interest, which allows you to sell the property as a whole. So the best way to think about this is, let's say you're building out a restaurant in a strip mall or an office in an office park, and the tenant is the one that contracted for the work, then whether you're a supplier to the electrician or the contractor yourself, your lien, more likely than not, is only going to attach to the tenant's interest. And that interest is only the right to possess the property in exchange for rent, which for you, as an unpaid lienor does very little to satisfy your need to get paid. Now, there are many exceptions to this rule, and it's probably one of the more complicated series of rules that exist in the lien law, which is already complicated to begin with. So let's go through uh, the crux of the issue, which is what steps do you need to follow to secure your lien rights um, in the tenant's interest because these rules still need to be followed in leaning for the landlord's interest. So you, I'm sure, know all these rules already, but we're gonna go over them because it, it's never, um, you can never hear them too many times. So if you need to send a notice to owner, you need to do that no later than 45 days from your first work or delivery of materials to the project. Your claim of lien needs to be recorded no later than 90 days from your last work or last delivery of materials to the project. All interested parties, that means everyone that's listed on the notice of commencement, needs to get a copy of your lien within 15 days of it being recorded. And if you are in direct privity, direct contract with the tenant, 
then you need to serve what's called a contractor's final affidavit no later than five days before you foreclose on your lien. We usually recommend that if you are in privity with the tenant or the owner, that you serve your contractor's final affidavit at the same time that you record your lien. And then finally, within one year, uh, no later than one year from the recording date of the claim of lien, you need to bring a civil action, uh, a lawsuit in court to foreclose on your lien, knowing that this period of time can be shortened by the landlord or the tenant by serving upon you either a 20-day summons to show cause, which reduces the time to 20 days, or a uh, notice of contest of lien, which reduces your time down to 60 days. So keep an eye on those documents if you happen to get them. Otherwise, it's one year. Now, uh, for some of you that don't already know, we have a tool that you can download on your iPhone or your Android phone that will allow you to calculate all of these dates, the notice to owner dates uh, and the uh, claim of lien or for bonded jobs, notice of non-payment dates. Um, and if you go to the app store and search for the lien zone, L-I-E-N, the lien zone altogether, you'll find the lien zone app looks like this and you just spin the wheels or put in the dates and it'll tell you when the 45 days is up. So you no longer have to count on your fingers. Okay, so now what do you have to do in order to secure your right in the landlord's property if you're doing work on a tenant build out? So step one is you need to follow all of the rules that you already know. Again, that's notice to owner in 45 days, lien in 90 days, service of the lien in 15 days, contractor's final affidavit, uh, no later than five days before you sue, and you have to file your lawsuit within a year. Again, these are the rules that you already know. What else do you need to do? You need to understand that your lien will only, only attach to the landlord's interest in the property if it is considered, if the work that is being performed is considered the pith of the lease. Now the pith is the, the center, right? Uh, so let's take a few examples so you understand. Let's say the landlord contracts with uh, the tenant and that lease says, you tenant are gonna pay me rent and uh, in exchange for the rent, you can use this space. And it doesn't say anything about building out the space. It gives the tenant permission to build that out, but that's not the crux of the lease. It's not an important component of the lease. So the tenant decides, okay, I'm gonna build out the lease, I'm gonna build out the space, hires people, doesn't pay them, they record liens on the property. Those liens will not attach to the landlord's interest because the lease itself did not include uh, any provisions that would require the tenant to build out the space. Let's take another example. Um, the landlord and the tenant enter into a lease and the lease says, I'm gonna pay, I tenant, I'm gonna pay you rent for the space. But in addition, the landlord says, as part of this lease agreement, you tenant agree that you are gonna build out the space to a class A um, office space. 
right? So in addition to paying me rent, you're also going to build out the space. The, ten, the landlord may give tenant improvement allowances for that. The landlord may not, but it becomes a key component in the lease. That's where you have what's called the pith of the lease. And therefore, if the landlord has done that, now you're in the ball game. Now you can potentially have your lien attached not only to the tenant's interest in the property, but the um, landlord's interest in the property, which means you know, if you don't get paid for that tenant build out, you can sell the whole shopping mall in order to get paid. Now, the next question is, um, well, how do I know if this lease requires the tenant to build out the space? So one of the things that you should ask for is a copy of, of the lease. And we're going to get to how you would do that um, later. Uh, but there is a specific mechanism in the lien law that will permit you to do that. Um, there is another way for the landlord to keep his property free and clear of liens, even if the lease includes language that requires the build out. One of the ways that the landlord can do this is to include in his lease with the tenant a provision that says, tenant, you understand that no matter what, you cannot have any liens attached to this property. In addition to having that in the lease, the landlord needs to also record a copy of that section of the lease in the public records where the property is located. So you need to search the public records for this lien prohibition that may have been recorded by the landlord. How do you do that? You need to first, if you don't already know, the name of the actual owner of the property, which is the landlord, if you don't know their legal name, then one way to do that, to find that, is to go to the property appraiser website for the county that the property is located in and do a search by the address to find the owner's name. More likely than not, the owner is going to be the landlord, but not always. Um, you may find it some other ways. Maybe it's referenced in your contract. Um, maybe it's referenced on the permit or the notice of commencement. But however you find it, you need to find that landlord, that landlord's legal name. Once you do that, step two is to search for the memorandum of lease in the recorded documents in the county where the project is located. So two-step process. Step one, find the legal name. Step two, do a search in the public records of the county where the property is located to find if to find a copy of the recorded memorandum of lease, um, which would say that the property cannot be leaned. You need to do this at the beginning of the job, because if you are assuming that you will have a lien on the landlord's interest, but have never looked to see if this memorandum of, of lease uh, for lien prohibition has been recorded, you may find out the hard way that if you don't get paid, your lien attaches to the tenant's interest only and not the landlord's interest. Why is that a big deal? 
the reason that's a big deal is because if you are not getting paid, there's a pretty good chance that the landlord is also not getting paid by the tenant for the rent. And when that happens, the landlord can evict the tenant, which means that the lease that you may have a right to foreclose upon is now worthless because that tenant is gone. Let me give you a, an example. Um, we represent an owner, uh, actually the tenant, who built out some space in the property that he was running a restaurant. And uh, that restaurant, after it was fully built out, um, our client, the tenant, had a dispute with the contractor and um, didn't pay them their final draw because of issues with respect to construction. Irrespective of the construction issues, the uh, the restaurant continued its operation, but ultimately failed about a year later. They vacated the premises and um, defaulted on the lease. Now, because the landlord followed all of the steps about having the necessary lease prohibition in the, the lien prohibition in the lease, recorded the necessary documents, this um, contractor who has a lien on the leasehold now has nothing because the tenant has been evicted and the lease is worthless because it's been canceled. So that's an example where uh, the contractor now no longer has a right to recover anything because as a result of the lease being terminated, they, um, they have no security. Um, they can sue the entity uh, which is the tenant, but that tenant was a single purpose entity that did nothing and owned nothing um, and now has disappeared. One of the other things you can do is you can demand a copy of the lease. How do you do that? There's a specific uh, provision in Florida statutes that gives you the right to demand a copy of the lease. Um, here is the language uh, for that request um, that you can serve at, at the beginning of the job. Actually, you can do it at any time, but it, it really only matters if you do it at the beginning. And you can find this form, by the way, uh, if you go to theleanzone.com, click on forms and you'll see it. It's um, towards the bottom of the page. Uh, and you can download this form for yourself. So you would send this out separate and apart from your notice to owner. And this, this demand requests a verified copy within 30 days of the lease. And if you don't get the lease, then you have the right to um, terminate your contract because you haven't been provided this information. So what are some of the things that you need to be on the lookout for if you are doing tenant build-out work? As a subcontractor, you need to be especially careful with pay-when-paid provisions when you're doing tenant improvement work. So if I am a, a plumber and I have a contract with the contractor and my contract has a valid and enforceable pay-when-paid provision in it, and my lien only attaches to the tenant's interest. If I don't get paid, 
by the contractor because the contractor hasn't been paid by the tenant. And I don't have lien rights in the actual property, only the lease. If the tenant doesn't pay the contractor and then defaults on their lease, and therefore the lease is worthless, now I have really no one to go after. My lien on the property, even assuming I followed all the steps, is no good because there's no there's no value in the lease. They may be getting evicted. And I can't sue the contractor because the contractor isn't in breach of their agreement because they only have to pay me when they have been paid by the tenant and they haven't been paid. So be extra careful signing pay when paid provision, signing contracts with contractors that have pay when paid provisions if you only have a um, interest in the tenant's property, the tenant's lease, not the landlord's lease. As a supplier, uh, if you have no other security, then the security interest only in the tenant's interest in the property may create a significant financial risk, right? For the same reason, many suppliers think, well, if I sell $100,000 worth of electrical supplies to this electrician uh, for this job, well, at least I can lien the property and get paid. And if your lien is only on the tenant's interest of the property, and that tenant's interest is not that great because if the tenant doesn't have the financial ability to pay and they get evicted, you have no real security. So you're left going after your customer who may have a hard time paying you the amount of money that you've delivered to the job site. So it's nice to get some additional security as a supplier. One of the things you can do is get a personal guarantee. And if you can't get a personal guarantee for the entire account, maybe you should consider getting a project specific personal guarantee. So on this job, you know, job A, where I have solid lien rights, I don't need the personal guarantee. But job B here is a tenant build out. My lien rights are iffy. I'm going to get a project specific personal guarantee. Um, if you want to hear more about construction law topics, uh, we have a weekly podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, again, just search for The Lean Zone and you'll find it. It's uh, always very short, usually no more than about six or eight minutes long at, at, at its longest. Um, and we talk about a different construction law topic uh, on liens, bonds, contracts, collections, and dealing with an attorney uh, every week.